What's up, humans? Welcome back to The Human Music Podcast. I'm Luke Rain, and this is episode 63, How to Start Producing a Song. It's great to know how to finish a song, but none of that matters unless you know how to start a song first. We cover some of our favorite methods of beginning the songwriting process, including starting with chords, finding a vibe, creating an emotion, not overthinking it, library organization, and building templates. Please take a minute to check the links below and support our sponsors, great producer resources. First up, the Producer Dojo Summit. This weekend on July 10th and 11th, the dojo's putting on an online music festival on the 10th and a day of producer classes from the dojo senseis on the 11th, all for free. Please sign up. Uh, the EDM cookbook that we mentioned in this episode, this is Ill Gates' guide to starting songs with four recipes that help you start a song depending on which song ingredient you feel like starting with today. Next up, the weekly download where you can learn from Ill Gates and his private weekly group lessons and get access to over 230 more episodes in the archive for only $20 per month. Amazing value. And guest practices where you can learn from Seth Drake at the Approach Institute. He is the best engineer we know. And your first class over there is free. The song of the week, the song you're hearing behind me is Mercy by Rip Kinney. There's links for that too. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello, people of Earth. This is Tesco with Rip Kenny and Trap Jesus. And you're listening to the uh, Human Music Podcast. Woo! Human Music Podcast. I like it. Big up. What's up? What's up? What's up, humans? Big ups hey. to all y'all listening out there in the world. So good to have you here with us on the Human Music Podcast. I'm Luke Ooh. Rain, hanging out with Rip Kenny and Tesco, who are dancing around. You know, definitely looking extremely cool currently. And... uh <laughs> Definitely not goofy dances at there, all. If you're on, moves. if you're on the YouTube, you know what I'm talking about. Subscribe on the YouTube. You know, see what we're doing over here. But uh, today, we're talking about one of the uh, all important things that really affects every producer every time they sit down: how to start a song. Because if you don't start, you can't finish, and none of that other shit we normally talk about matters at all. So. How do we start a song? I mean, you, you want to give a little background? You know, you looked up a, a poll that was recently online, Tesco? Yeah, yeah. So we were looking at common struggles that producers face. And I believe it was like 26% of the poll, people stated that they were having trouble starting. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. Right before we hopped on, like 20 minutes before I just started a new thing and got into the groove of it and had to come to this podcast. No regrets, but you know, <laughs> one thing that kind of broke that up for me was honestly just going to splice and uh, instead of trying to do everything, just trying to find like full melody loops, full drum loops, all of that. And then just put like the biggest Lego pieces I could together just to set up the vibe 
And I think vibe is something that's so commonly overlooked in favor of like crazy sound design or clean mix downs or all of this other uh, producer stuff that gets drilled into our head that we need to know to be a good producer and all that when, you know, in reality to your listeners, it's all about the vibe. So, yeah, you know, for me, that's something I love to break it up. Uh, if, if I'm feeling like things are getting too samey, like splice and arcade have been my recent go-tos. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious to hear, like, how, how do you guys feel like your writing has been going recently? Uh, do you feel like you've hit a slump recently or not? And how do you two break out of it? Yeah, I'll, go for it. So I, th- I think, first of all, one of the reasons starting is so hard is because it's arguably the most important part. And I think that there's a lot of trepidation around what is a worthy starting place and also starting from a blank page. There's, It's just really hard to get something to sound sick with one thing. Like, like obviously, you start with one thing. And then you move from there and add more things that go with that one thing, right? But like you need you want to start with something that like excites you, right? So it's tough to it's t- it's it's tough to get your your head in the game for okay, this is the one thing. Uh it's also easy when you stumble on something with one element that you're like, yeah, this is amazing. I'm rolling with this. But I would say more often than not, it's much more difficult to find something that you're like, yes, this is sick. I'm rolling with this. Um, so that's the preface. It's, it's, it doesn't always work out. It's not, it's, it's never going to be easy a hundred percent of the time. Um, and, and like what, what you said, Tesco about the vibe being super undervalued, um, is 100% smack on, um, the vibe of the things that you start with determines the vibe of the entire song really, which is why I always, I can't even think of a time that I didn't start with chords. Um, whether it's playing them on the guitar or playing them on the piano or just fucking clicking them in, in the piano roll on the init saw patch and serum, um, always start with chords because that just, it, it informs the vibe of the song. It informs the, the baseline that I might use in the drop. It just like a lot of ideas and a lot of other elements stem from chords, which is why I always use them. But Important to note, like I, I think in terms of melody and harmony and, and, and then the rhythm of everything almost comes secondary. Um, and if you're a rhythm person, like say you, you, you were a drummer or something, start with the drums, start with a groove and then figure out some melody and harmony to go with that. Right. So the, the, the chords and that come, excuse me, more naturally to me. So that's, where I like to start. And I feel like that provides a better vibe check for what the rest of the song is going to be. Um, anything to add to that, you guys? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you, you got a really good point there. Like when you start with chords, um, you, it takes care of so much for you. Like, and I know for me personally, and for a lot of other people, chords are more difficult than starting with say a melody or a bass line or a drum loop you know like those are for most people who aren't especially like a classically trained guitarist or pianist or whatever like somebody who has like a lot of music theory knowledge which a ton of producers don't and that's fine but 
it, it's more difficult. And if you start with that difficult thing and really get those chords working first, then like you said, once you've got chords, you've got it narrowed down what your baseline can be to work in that environment. Yeah. And you've got, you know, you've got these chord stacks, you know, you can write melodies and or arpeggios really easy from those chord stacks as well. And, you know, you can just take and repurpose the same MIDI loop three times and you've got bass, you know, chords and melodies or maybe even four and an arp, you know, like mm-hmm. just out of that one, you do that one idea and three other ideas can just materialize off of it really quickly. So if you take your time to work on that thing that is a little more difficult, once it's working, you can, you're off to the races, which I really like. Yeah. And I think a, an important note on that as well, you know, chord, chords are difficult for a lot of people, like you said, that, that aren't classically trained pianists or guitarists or whatever. Im- important to note that for me, I would say 80% of the songs that I've made over my lifetime have actually started from either a piano, just t- tinkering one note for four bars and then tinkering another note under that line for another, you know, and just looping it and playing stuff in and like seeing what works um, or just clicking in notes. And and it like, I, I think that the, the difference is a lot of people probably expect the chords, you know, if, if, if they spent 20 minutes on, on eight bars of chords or four bars of chords, like it should be done. Right. For me, like sometimes the chords will take two hours like straight up, like just moving notes around until I hear the emotion of the chords gel into something that I feel like is complete. So (laughs) don't be afraid to continue tinkering until they're just right. Um, Understanding that those chords are the basis point for like, like you said, Luke, so many other things. So it's, it's worth it to get them right. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, nowadays the music that I work on, I'd say like 60, 70% of the songs start with guitar, but that's only because that's what's exciting me right now. I spent the last, you know, since COVID hit, I made it a goal to practice guitar 15 minutes a day. Uh, recently that's kind of tapered off, but in the beginning I was so excited to practice guitar. Sometimes I would end up practicing guitar for like two hours just because it was fun. Um, and now that I've built up that amateur level skill and I can play things that, you know, I'm probably going to have to re-record it when I go to, you know, finish the song. But I can play things that sound, that, that catch my attention without, you know, too much trouble. They're not great, but like, you can get the vibe down. So all of that to say, don't feel intimidated if you don't know piano, if you don't know guitar. Clicking in notes is the bass level skill. And you don't even need to know theory. Just like, click notes in and move them around until it sounds cool to you. Like, it's so basic, but it, it works. And if you do want to learn an instrument, it doesn't take a lot to learn just barely enough to inspire you. Um, so, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I, I think the more tools you have at your disposal can only benefit you. And that's a huge part of it. Um, so I mentioned, you know, using a loop earlier. Luke, you mentioned MIDI, uh, using like MIDI chord progressions and stuff, which a couple weeks ago, you know, I was feeling bored of using loops. So I took a couple days to just 
only write MIDI chords and build up my own kind of personal MIDI library. And then when I felt exhausted from that, I went to YouTube and watched tutorials on how this person does their beats and how this person does their melodies and how this person does their chords. And then I saved those and put them in a folder. And now, you know, you have you have these MIDI chord progressions that you can flip and rearrange and do all this crazy stuff with using MIDI tools. Then uh, with the loops, for example, oftentimes, like if I use uh, like a full chord progression, um, I'm going to be thinking like, okay, if this is a sample and I want to keep this, how can I flip this in a unique way? Can I chop this up and reverse some parts or pitch it up or down? Or a huge thing for me lately has been using uh, plugins uh, that are kind of the opposites of each other. So in Ableton, there's this great plugin called Pitch Hack, which kind of, uh, it, it basically like transposes stuff up. But if, if uh, let's say you pitch it up an octave, it, it kind of works like a sampler where it'll like have the samples. So then within a quarter note or whatever time you set it, it'll like play it twice, for example. So I'll do something like that and then I'll use halftime and then I'll mess with the settings on halftime. And now you get this like weird hybrid where sometimes they're like canceling each other out and then sometimes like they're not caught up with each other. So you get these like cool artifacts and stuff. Uh, then you can like reverse the sample into that. You can mud pie this like uh, this loop that you're using, all that, which um you know, I, I'm kind of skipping over like the obvious ones, like make everything from scratch, because I feel like more often than not, people are more apprehensive of of using like a melody loop because they feel like, oh, somebody else is going to use this and it's not going to sound like me. And I think you're leaving like so many options on the table by not finding ways to make it work, not finding ways to make it your own, because, you know, I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't guess that my songs have used the same loops that they have. I use so many cymatics loops, guys. I'm not even lying, but I've, I've created like four songs out of this one guitar loop that they have in the, uh, oh, it's like the eternity pack or something. And I've just found mm -hmm. multiple different ways to flip it. And every time I get new plugins, I go back to the samples I've reused and I find new ways to use those. You feel me? And like, I have, a little part in my sample library, which is like my most commonly used loops. And I don't shy away from using them multiple times because I can mix and match it with something. I could try to plug in on it. I could mud pie. I could use it as my main loop. I could use it at just like a little teensy sliver of it as like a reverse at the end of my loop, all of these different things. And it's not stuff I commonly hear people talking about or, or doing, you know, and I just, want to bring that up to kind of spawn ideas in people's minds of ways that they can take these seemingly uncreative parts that they have, like all of these cymatics loops that they would never dare to use and, and encourage people to try to find ways to use that and then build on top of it. Um, yeah. Another thing. Yeah, go for it. I was going to say, so like this whole, argument that a lot of people make that kind of paints themselves into a corner of having to reinvent the wheel every time of like oh well i can't use that because that's cheating and i can't do that because that's cheating oh a sample no a splice loop no midi chords ready for me it's like first off take a step back and remember everything is a remix like 
you know, if you really wanted to be original, invent your own language and your own scale that has micro, uh, you know, micro tunings that nobody else has ever thought of before. And good luck. I wish you all the luck. It sounds extremely hard and like most people won't like it. So let's be realistic. Say you're making house music. There's a drum pattern in house music. It is four on the floor kicks with some sort of backbeat and generally some sort of upbeat, swingy hi-hats, right? That's the basic house beat over and over and over and over again. It's okay to use that also because people fucking love it, you know? And you watch those YouTube videos where some dude on a guitar will play 50 popular pop songs that all use the same chord progression. Like, do you think Bob Marley was really worried that, you know, the Temptations had already used those four chords when he sat down to write his? Nah, he just flipped them different and wrote a different melody on top of it. You could even be like, yeah, but his melody's sort of like this over here from that song. And, you know, it's a reggae tune, so it's got that kind of drum beat with those upbeat skank guitars. And, like, you know, it's like, but eventually you just got to be like, okay, like, everybody reuses all sorts of shit that people just like and that works in music. And there's like trends and all these things for a reason. So just take a step back and remember that anytime your mind starts to go down that weird rabbit hole of, I don't think I'm allowed to do this, call bullshit on your ego. Cause it's just, just your ego trying to make that shit harder on you. Like there are so many ways to take something, even if that is, even if you take that loop and you do not, you do nothing to it and you just build pieces that support it and it turns out good, that's okay. If you oh. take it and you flip it beyond recognition, that's okay. If you start with it and then build a bunch of other pieces and then delete that thing you started with because it doesn't work, that's okay. And anywhere in between any of those options is okay. So that was the other thing I was going to say is people also forget that like, or I don't even know if it's so much as forget as much as it is like getting overwhelmed in the moment, but like you can remove stuff that you've added. Like I love <laughs> Dylan's quote of you're not going to start world war three at your daw. The only wrong move you can make is indecision. And that really is true because objectively what's going to get you closer to writing that hit placing something in the DAW or staring at a blank canvas wondering what the hell is going on so if we can just take all of the emotional aspect out of that and just be like hey more swings at bat equals more chance to get what i want yeah maybe you're gonna write hot garbage today and you're gonna come tomorrow and you're gonna write hot garbage and then you're gonna come three days after that and you're going to be depressed as hell because you're like why isn't this working but maybe you 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 found a sick hi-hat on day two just going through the motions and you found a sick little guitar thing or bass noise or whatever on day four and days five and six it feels like you've made no progress but those events are chained together and on day seven you write that banger that you would not have been able to write unless you had those six days of failure. And that's like six whole projects worth of ideas that get thrown into the fiery pits of recycle bin and uh, never see the light of day, but they're equally as necessary to get to that final result. 
Yeah. Yeah, I Absolutely. think that's it's, it's important to note that like like you said, A, you can flip or chop or do anything. Like even if you pulled like a melody loop in, like play it with a different instrument and then maybe like when you're doing that, like different synth or guitar or what you know, whatever. Maybe when you're doing that, like you stumble upon like a few different notes or a, a different rhythm and you're like, wow, okay, that's that's cool. I like that. And then it, that that would be just different enough. But like you said, it, it couldn't stress this more that you're not going to make that hit song by just staring at the computer and 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 hoping that your will will pop a perfect idea into your head that you can then transfer into the computer. It just doesn't happen like that. You just got to totally. continue trying stuff. That's a huge yeah. part though, is, is being able to recognize that. And the more time you have in the game, the more you find yourself bashing your head off a wall in these various situations. Um, so for example, to bring it back, like why today did I choose a melody loop? Well, because for, you know, the last little while I was, I was working with MIDI and, and going through patches and I made a couple really solid ideas that I'm stoked on using that. And I wrote probably five times as much more hot garbage. And it came to the point where I was like, all right, now I've, I've come to, I don't want to say a roadblock, but I'm feeling some new fresh inspiration. Let me take this other method available to me and let me exhaust all of the options here. And just, uh, you know, realizing that not making moves is the only wrong move you can make. I'm sure that people have not exhausted all of the options available. And, and, and even for myself, that's why I continue to do this is because I know that I thought I tried everything I could do with the midis. Now I'm gonna move on to the melodies and I'm gonna mess around with those and I'm gonna try and find one or two new ways. And when I exhaust that, I'm gonna go back to the midis and maybe there's something I learned from working with those melodies. You know, maybe I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna take, I'm gonna start chaining multiple MIDI chords together and put them in the same key and reverse them and then start resampling them or something. And then with that, I can start building up a part in my library that's just, uh, you know, the spawn of me doing those techniques. And, um, you know, we've talked about batching before. I think that's something super important as well. Like I notice people will try and get it right on the first go. And that's why they never come back to these samples or, or loops or midis or whatever is because they, they think, like I said, they, that they've exhausted all options or they think that they did it best the first time. And I think, um, something that's helped me is, is recognizing that like, I'm not going to get it right the first time. Even if I nail the chords, there's probably something about the drums I could have done better. There's probably a better sample I could have chose if not the drum pattern. And so I will reuse the same things multiple times and slightly variate them. Um, and, and in my mind, I'm always thinking of like genetics. Uh, so if you think, I can't remember who, uh, what his name was, but he would like breed plants together. And then like one Mendel. of the offspring, Mendel, thank you. And, and one of the offspring would have like a favorable trait. So then he'd breed other plants with that offspring. And then that would create like, eight more variations and then he would selectively kill off and and prop selectively propagate genetics that he wanted uh versus the ones that he didn't want and 
like that has been the most useful part for my producing because if I'm not feeling inspired to write a song, but I still want to get work done, I will literally take a cymatics loop and resample uh, how I flipped it like 12 different times. And then I'll move on to a different loop and then I'll try that. And maybe I'll learn like a 13th way that I'll try on that one. And then my repertoire of ability goes up. And then I also don't have to remember all of this stuff mentally. I have a catalog of basically cymatics eternity pack or whatever the hell pack I have that everybody else has, except now it's flipped into my version of the pack. And I've applied my understanding and techniques into these samples and consolidated them. So it just opens up like a whole different world when you start doing that. Yeah. yeah. And I think to touch on a couple really important things you said first batching um, and even just like doing the chords beforehand. Like I, I, I swear to God, the best songs I've ever written started in the morning with chords that I wrote the night before or I'm doing a remix of a song and I had a vocal to start with. Um, the blank page is hard. So like take a nighttime session and write four different sets of chords or, you know, maybe even chords and a, you know, a vocal that you lay down, even if it's just like a phrase, like a pre-drop phrase or whatever, like that's a really good starting point. Um, but like I said, some of my best songs I've ever written is because like a Friday night, I sat down and took 30 minutes and wrote some chords. And I was like, holy shit, I love these. Like I'm clearing my schedule for tomorrow. I'm going to write a song off this. Wake up first thing, start with those chords. I already like them. And then that turns into a song. Um, you know, a, a lot of stuff that I've been doing lately that involves vocals, I've found that like taking like a four hour session sometime the week before I know I have a writing day and like writing some chords and then writing out some, some lyrics, maybe even getting them down and giving myself chords and an acapella to work with. And then that's a really solid starting place to take a whole day and write something. Cause you're going to, you're not going to be stuck in the weeds of those like main things that take forever. If you sit down with a blank canvas to try and get it right. Um, and then the other thing that you that you mentioned is you know sample selection. Sometimes you have a really great starting point, and you flip it a bunch of different ways to figure out what the best version of that is. One thing that I came to realize the other day is that I need to trust my gut more on when I'm flipping through stuff to add. Say it's even like a vocal shot that's going to be on the offbeat, like if you don't instantly think it fits like at least 85% when you throw it in, like just turn that thing off and, and open up a new audio channel and throw another one in almost invariably. If you didn't love it to start with, it's not going to make it into the final product. And if you just searched for five more minutes, 10 more minutes for the, the vocal shot that worked right there, like, your, your whole song would be better for it. And, and I've realized that for me, I hadn't implemented enough of the five-minute rule or even one-minute rule or 30-second rule on finding the right sample to add into the song. Um, a, it's going to make your mixes better because when you throw the right sample in there that just like pops out and sounds good, that doesn't interfere with other stuff, it's not because you broke out 
all your complicated tools to force it into place and make it sound good. It's because like it just sounded right from the start. And mm -hmm. if you are following that methodology where like you love the thing that you started with and you're trying to find the right things to add later, you need to be more critical of what you're adding and, and, and be more careful on how, when you add that thing, like, do you, do you actually love it? Should you roll with that? Or should you just take another five, 10 minutes and find something else to, to throw in there? A lot of times I'll end up like five, five things that like, I kind of liked are sitting there on an audio channel with no processing. It's just like, do I like this? Do I like this in combination with this? And then I'll stumble across the one that's right for the song. And I'm like, oh my God, like the, all these other ones just delete instantly. Like this, this is the thing. And I'm rolling with this one. Like you'll know when, when you get there. And so whether you iteratively come back to the idea and try to do that, or if you have a whole day set aside where you can spend, you know, 25 minutes finding the right vocal shot for that thing. Like if it's not right, just keep moving until, until it is because mm -hmm. the, the song will ultimately benefit. I could, man, I got like a, a love hate relationship with that answer. You feel me? Like I agree. Like I've definitely made the mistake of leaving samples that were, I maybe, I guess good enough. I think when they clearly weren't yeah. in retrospect and, and making my mix down way more difficult and all of that. But I've also killed entire sessions by being like, no, it's got to be this specific sound and just go off the rails uh, yeah. with it. And, you know, like, I think it's important to bring up right now, like, the difference between songwriting and production, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the actual song is like, what is the thread of like emotion and melody and that one thing you're paying attention to at any given moment and how that journey takes you from the intro to the outro, right? But the actual production is in like, what is the exact sound? And when should I cut out that little bit of background sound? So that word at the end of the phrase is all by itself at the end of the verse there and like the little things that oh maybe i should add one more layer of white noise riser to the buildup. like there's like i think there's always more time for that kind of shit like should i add a third white noise riser that's a slightly different pitch to thicken that background up a little bit is a question that can always be answered later whereas like getting those big broad strokes of what are the most important building blocks of the song in place during flow state is really important. So just want to make sure to balance out what you're talking about with like, you know, within reason, look for that piece a little bit extra within reason. Like if you're in a yeah. good folder and you're not to the bottom of that folder yet, and you're not hundred percent sold on any of the sounds. Yeah. Keep clicking through, give yourself some more options. But if you get to the bottom of that folder, feel free to be like, okay, I know this is a placeholder. I'm going to turn it a different color that I know is a placeholder. And tomorrow I'm going to come back and look for that vocal sample to put on the upbeat tucked in behind the drums. Yeah, it's that's not a, this yeah. one, but I can't, I, you know, I got to get the rest of these ideas down today. Yeah, no, very, very good caveat. And important to note that i what I mentioned is not is not the 
steadfast, do this until you find the right one or don't move on. Because a, a lot of times, like I will, like you said, have a placeholder. I have an idea for something. I grab a vocal that I think could work and, and throw it in there. And I'm like, yeah, I like that. And then, you know, maybe search for another 10, 15 minutes. Don't find one that I like more. And then I'm like, okay, well, instead of getting stuck on this, I'm going to move on to something else. And it's, it's not like you'll forget that you wanted to change that. Like if you don't feel like it's, if it's right, you're listening to the song over and over. Like you're going to be like, when you come back and listen with fresh ears, it's going to be like one of the first things that you're like, okay, I need to find something to replace that with. Um, but taking the time to find something to replace it with, once you have that placeholder, once you know the spot, once you know the elements around it, it is easier to find the thing that does work. And once you're not worried about writing the main pieces, yeah, like it's also important to know, like this isn't like, take, take some time to figure out the main three elements, right? Like your chords, your vocal and your melody or whatever, like, or chords, vocal melody and baseline or chords, synth melody and baseline, whatever it is, like take some time to get those right. But these little background elements and and stuff that are accoutrements, like don't don't break your session over them for sure. Yeah. And like like you were saying, taking that time beforehand to just like I'm just getting the vocal and the chords. That mm -hmm. part is the song. Yeah. Like as far as like, you know, somebody does a cover of your tune later on, it's your tune, but they did their own production. They took okay, here's the general progression of the song and here's the vocal. That's the part that, that gets kept, you know? Or, you know, they'll like redo their, their own version of your vocal, but it's the same vocal. So like, remember like that's, if you come, if you show up with the song parts, then your whole big long session gets to just be about these little production decisions. Like how do I best support this main idea that I have? And that's why I think it's so powerful to do as you said, is to take that time to really come up with that song idea and then have a different session afterwards where you really focus on the production of it. Yeah, one thing that you mentioned, Luke, that I think really sums up uh, or encompasses everything we've talked about so far is having options available and not trying to do all of the steps in one session, whether it's, you know, what Evan does where he enters that critical mindset first and, and makes sure that the foundation's really solid with the chords. Or like you were talking about, going through all of the vocal chops, finding, you know, if you're not through the whole pack, not getting caught up in the one that sounds like trash, going through, finding it. Same with me. Why do I flip these loops so much into so many different variations? It's because when you're in that creative zone versus the, uh, versus the kind of like editorial you know, critic kind of zone. Uh, it, it's a whole different mindset and it's really hard to balance the two. Um, like one thing, one kind of analogy that I've always heard of, like if you think of the creative kind of energy and if you think of the kind of critic energy, the creative is like free flowing. It's, it's like, it's like almost like a beautiful goddess that like bestows this gift upon you that, that just like, it just it just comes easy and it breeds all these ideas and and the critic is kind of like the dude with the squiggly mustache and he's <laughs> kind of angry and very critical he's of everything. He's got a monocle. Are, <laughs> yeah, exactly, and a little top hat. And uh, 
they're two like very opposing kind of energies, right? Because when you're creating, you're looking for like, you're looking for more, you're looking for options, you're looking to breed more, um, or, or to like spawn or to bring to life like more ideas and to, to create essentially. Whereas the critic is taking what has been created and then like whittling it down and like scrutinizing like every little detail about that. And it's very hard for those to coexist. Um, I, I'd love to hear about your guys' workflow because for me, when it comes to a, the days when I'm actually writing songs, rarely do I ever do all of those main components in one go. So I've identified that there's four main components really to my songs, which is like the melodies. Uh, so I, I kind of think of the chords and lead together. And typically I will, um, I will have sessions where, um, you know, I'll put, I'll put together some melodies, whether it's MIDI loops, whether it's uh, whole melodies that I'll resample down, whatever. Then, uh, there's a sound design aspect to it. So melodies and sound design are kind of my two preparatory sessions where, um, you know, I'll, I, I'll take like an hour or two to just create a huge folder of sound design stuff. And my only goal is to create a couple hundred resamples of sounds that I can pick from later. Then, um, then really it's my writing session. When I'm writing, I'm typically grabbing sound design and chords that I've made previously, slapping that down, get some quick drums down, which I guess my third session is library organization. That would I would consider that one tier lower than those two preparatory sessions. So I already have drums ready to go. Slap on a very basic drum beat onto some chords that already work, reach into my bucket of sound design, add some cool little ear candy, and then just start recording vocals to that and and within that you know i've had sessions where i can write three full songs a day but that would not have been possible without like six other preparatory sessions and a library organization session you feel me mm -hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. That, that library organization session if you're stuck like you need to organize your samples anyways go ahead and and just open up your main folder that's organized the way that it should be open up the folder from your splice account or whatever that has all the packs and shit just start going through listening filtering it it into your 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 main well organized folder and i guarantee or start a main well organized folder that's always a good one if you haven't if got you one don't yet <laughs> have one yeah let's let's lesson zero this a little bit your sample folder should not be organized in the pack that it came in, Facts. in the in the genre that it is. I know that that's kind of Facts. like like you know somewhat arbitrary to some people. Like, no, well, I only make dubstep. I or I'm making dubstep on this day. I want my dubstep folder. Like, eh, do you like you're gonna make something more interesting if all of your favorite one shots live like your favorite synth stabs live in one folder rather than dubstep synth stabs and disco stabs. Like I've used many disco style stabs in a dubstep song, like because yeah, the sample was right. Great. The sample was right. So organize your samples, not by any bullshit, but by how you use them. And that is the key because that's different for everyone. For me, like, for instance, I have a folder that's called 
Foley slash glitches. And that's stuff that I've resampled that's glitches, like splice samples that I've found that are like little bits and boops and robot translation noises that are paper crinkling. And I know that when I need something textural, that is the folder that I go to because that's how my brain works. Like it, it's all about separating your sample library into like how your brain conceptualizes what you need in a given moment. If you need a background vibe setter and that's how you think about like that specific element, then have your ambiences, your rain, your thunder, your playground noise, your ominous droning wind with a low bass note sample. Like throw all those in there because then you're like, okay, so I have this intro, I have these chords and I need something to kind of fill out the vibe. Like if your brain thinks about it like that, organize it like that. So that's lesson zero, organize your sample folder, how you conceptualize the parts for your music, mm -hmm. right? That is the baseline. And then to the point that I was talking about, when you download samples from Splice or anywhere, it normally comes in the pack that you bought it from. And that's organized by how the industry usually determines how you split these things up. So it's like drums and then kicks, claps, hats, you know, synths. And that could be like in the synths folder, there could be something that you consider an atmosphere, something you consider a glitch, something you consider a stab or, or whatever. But like you need to be able to sort those things into the folders in how you you think to use them. Yeah. And in that in your, process... The way your brain works. Exactly. Yes. And in that process, listening to the samples and sorting them, I guarantee by the time you got to the end of that folder, you have found at least five, probably 10, maybe 20, depending on how long it's been since you organized your samples. Like excellent song starters bass shots that give you an idea for a drop like the the inspiration that comes with doing the most mundane task possible for a yes. producer is hilariously fruitful mm -hmm. oh i love organizing my library for that exact reason yeah i hate it until i do it and then yeah, i'm like yeah. oh right oh right everything you just said it is and, and the whole reason we got into this is like, what if you're beat blocked? What if you don't have any ideas? Well, one, it's because you don't have these amazing sounds in a way that they're at your fingertips. And when you do this mundane shit while listening to all these cool sounds, it, it kills your beat block in more than one way. One, it gives you the tools on hand that you need to not have beat block. And two, it like the combination of hearing all these cool sounds and doing something tedious and mundane like library organization make your creative brain jump up and be like, please, let's make a song out of some of these. Yeah. I can't take it anymore. You're yeah. done organizing. Fuck this shit. Let's make tunes. Yeah, I think I've encountered that phase without fail every single time I've tried. And, yeah. and Evan, I love that point you made of like, put it in put it in folders in a way that makes sense to you because I know I've gone on this passionate rant a couple times and I will spare our regulars from this, but in essence, I will never understand how people are so okay with downloading dubstep essentials, volume three, whatever the fuck. And then they'll be like, why can't I make my own sound? It's because 
this thing that you call a genre is just the arbitrary collection of shits that people, you know, commonly agree sounds good, but it's no different from you identifying a couple characteristics that you like to hear within music, making your own folders for that, and then fuck what the samples are named. It doesn't matter. It literally only has a unique identifier so that files don't overwrite themselves. Literally, screw what it says on the sound. I don't care if it's a drum. I don't care if it's a Foley. If it sounds like something else to you, put it in that folder. And I find when you start categorizing these things, for example, if you know you like stabby basses and deep basses and not metallic basses, make a stabby bass folder, make a deep bass folder, and just in having your library organized and in articulating these ideas in a way that makes sense to you, you're going to start making connections that just are not going to come otherwise because to you, it's going to be, it's going to look like, oh, I'm using a sample from Virtual Riot Pack 1 and a sample from this pack and a sample from this pack. But you can start to like narrow in on your sound and like, figure out these commonalities in what makes your own genre, aka your own sound. And that's really all your own sound is. The only reason some people are so heavily within one genre is because that Venn diagram intersection of that genre and their sound is maybe like 90 to 10% in favor of the genre, but they still wouldn't make it in that genre if there wasn't at least like 10% plus that made them their own thing. Just split the circles apart more and or just separate them and, and take the aspects of what you like. And that's basically your sound. And when you figure what that is, when you figure out what you're not going to do and what is the core of your sound, I really can't say I've experienced writer's block in the last like five years to keep it 100. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I agree. I, agree. I don't really experience writer's block as such like there are periods where i write way more and periods where i write way less but i don't think of it as being blocked anymore i think of it more like you know i mean usually it has to do with other shit that i'm busy with like oh man i really got to work on this video editing thing or i'm really focused on releasing this track or I, you know, it's this week I've got a ton of lessons to teach. So I'm, you know, and then in other weeks it'll be like, man, I'm both inspired and I got a lot of time. So let me go write more shit. But, you know, this, all this kind of brings you to like, so you, you, you're organizing all your sounds, you're putting them in folders that make sense to you. And then I know we talk about it a lot, but it's that important. Make yourself a, a palette of sounds inside of a, you know, a pre-saved template song folder so that you can open this shit up and just have a shit ton of MIDI instruments at your fingertips with sounds that you have already gone through and pre-selected where it's like, oh, hey, look, well, I went through my kicks last week and I found all these kicks I really like. And then I also went through my snares and then I made these like packs of these racks of just kicks and snares. And I've got a few of them of the, the top few that I really loved. And then I did that with hi-hats. And then I did that with weird percussion sounds and regular ass percussion sounds. And then I found my favorite sub basses and I put them on samplers, made sure the 
the root note was correct and now I can play them and do the bendy with the pitch bend wheel and all that shit. Like all of a sudden your entire rhythm section is just there for you for your next hundred songs because the permutations of all these different samples that you could use together are completely different, especially when you multiply them by key and tempo. And then, you know, you got a bunch of instruments that you like in there. And if you write the chords in this instrument and you get great chords, be like, wow, these chords are amazing, but I don't think these are the right things then go through your favorite patches folder that you created and just start dragging those different patches onto that MIDI and see what comes up. You know, by doing all this organization and preparation, it makes it really hard to get stopped by beat block, which is generally that looking at the blank DAW and having an infinite number of choices and feeling afraid that you're going to make the wrong one. Whereas when you just put shit in front of you and have some sort of spark to go off and no, you know, no unrealistic expectation that this has to be the center of your song or it even has to stay in your song. Like we talked about, sometimes you start with that, that loop and you make nine things around the loop and realize the loop is your least favorite part and you just mute that shit and go on with your life. And now that's not even a part of it. Like that happens all the time. So, Amen. Yeah. Amen. I really like what you said there. And I think that's a solid note to leave it off on. Yeah, that's Woo! a blow. Do the bendy. Do wow. the bendy. Wow. <laughs> I told you to do that little bendy thing. Do yes. Bendy. And please, for the love of God, delete any samples that are trash. But yeah. always do the bendy. Always do the bendy. Well, all right, humans. On that note, peace out. And peace among worlds. (laughs) All right, humans. Thank you so much for listening along and being here with us make sure whatever platform you're on you hit that subscribe make sure to if you're on youtube drop a like and a comment hit that notification bell you know if you're on apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us a rating and review it really helps and you know follow us on the web we're on at human music pod on twitter or at the human music podcast pretty much everywhere else all right Well, I look forward to seeing you next week where we're going to be talking about uh, focusing on the music, having a coherent brand, ignoring vanity metrics, and a whole bunch more cool stuff. Uh, But really quick, shouts to our sponsors, the Producer Dojo Summit. Remember, that's this weekend if you're listening to this the week it comes out, July 10th and 11th, the 10th. We got uh, an online music festival. I'm going to be dropping a set on the 11th, a whole day of producer classes. Uh, Tesco and I are both doing a lesson that day. Uh, Then the EDM cookbook, Ill Gates Guide to Starting Songs for Recipes. It's amazing. I've learned so much. I, I use those techniques to start pretty much all of my songs and sometimes even combine the recipes. Uh, the weekly download where you can learn from Ill Gates every week in his private weekly group lessons and you get access instantly to over 230 more episodes in the archive. It's all organized by the type of lesson that you want to learn. You know, we got a section on drums. They got a section on, you know, mixing. They got sections on vocals, all sorts of cool stuff, uh, sound design, whatever you need. Uh, finally, guest practices where you can learn from Seth Drake at the Approach Institute. He's the best engineer we know, hands down. And... Your first class with him is free, so there's no reason not to check that out. Even if you only check the free class, you will learn a ton. Uh, One more shout out to Rip Kenny, Song of the Week. 
That's Mercy. There's links down below for that as well. See you next week, humans. Till then, peace and peace among worlds. I like it. <laughs>